0: How good it is. I wish I could have been here with you for those baptisms. I've had the privilege to baptize some of the the new believers in the Chinese church. They can't always be baptized on Sundays and that's when I get the privilege of doing it. It's always a boost to faith to see what God is doing. On January the 30th of 2016 when New Testament scholar Dr. Grant Lamarquand was the Anglican bishop for the Horn of Africa. About 100 refugees unexpectedly showed up at an Anglican center in Gambella, Ethiopia for some temporary shelter on that day. Well, they were, as I said, unexpected. And so Lamarquand and his colleagues were scrambling to try to provide some food for those refugees but all they could find was some bread and some peanut butter crackers, enough to feed maybe a dozen people, not a hundred. But they nevertheless began distributing what they had and, and kept distributing it and kept distributing it until all of those hundred refugees had had their fill. When he was interviewed about it later, Bishop Marquand said, it was weird. We couldn't see the food multiplying, but it just didn't seem to run out. We're pretty sure it was a multiplication miracle. Well, the only miracle of our Lord Jesus that is recorded in all four of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, was a multiplication miracle wherein Jesus took five loaves and two fish, and fed thousands upon thousands of people. And there were twelve basketfuls of leftovers afterward. This morning we're going to look at that miracle and learn that even when the situation looks hopeless, God's provision is always, always more than enough. Our text this morning is found in Matthew chapter 14. We'll read verses 13 to 21. I invite you to stand with me as I read God's Word for us. And I will share with you that in the first part of chapter 14 we find the account of the martyrdom of John the Baptist who died at the will of an evil woman, Herodias. And we pick up then in verse 13 where it says... When Jesus heard what had happened, He withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed Him on foot from the towns. And when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, He had compassion on them and healed their sick. As evening approached, the disciples came to Him and said, This is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so that they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Jesus replied, They don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. "Well, Bring them here to me, Jesus said. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass. And Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then He gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up twelve basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was about five thousand men besides women and children. Thank you. Please be seated. Now when John the Baptist was martyred at the whim of an evil woman, it broke Jesus' heart. Always remember that God weeps when we weep and that God's heart breaks over cruel and callous acts just as our hearts break over those same cruel and callous acts. And so Jesus hearing this news, wanted to retreat with His disciples for a while to a quiet place to refresh, to regroup, to reflect, and perhaps even to grieve. And as He prepared to come ashore on the edge of the Sea of Galilee, He saw that the crowds had followed Him and that they were already there. Because, you see, this was the pinnacle of Jesus' popularity, His Healing ministry had attracted people by the thousands to come and hear Him and to seek help and relief. And so in Jesus' compassion, seeing that crowd, He couldn't ignore them. So He ministered to them. He spoke to them. He healed their illnesses and their injuries. But after a while, this story tells us that it was getting late, as it does and they were in a solitary place, out in the middle of nowhere, I suppose. Not a lot of things around there. Provisions would have been scarce. And the crowd was especially large. We're told that there were 5,000 men, not counting women and children, so there may have been 10,000 or more people out there. And the disciples began to get worried about that. They knew that those people needed to eat. And to them the situation looked a little dicey. They thought maybe if the crowd got hungry that they might also get a little surly perhaps, as we sometimes do when we get hungry. And they weren't too optimistic about how things might develop. And they, they may have been optimists at heart, but they did not misplace that optimism. They They didn't see much cause for optimism in this instance. They were not like the the cousins in the North Country, Sam and Jed, who heard the news that they were paying a $5,000 bounty for every wolf captured alive. And they got dollar signs in their eyes and went out and scoured the forests and the valleys and the hills trying to catch one of those wolves and, and make that money. And they failed all day long. At the end of the day, they They collapsed, exhausted, fell into a sleep, dreaming about the riches that were going to be theirs. When suddenly Sam woke up, and they were surrounded by 50 hungry, ravenous wolves with bared teeth and flaming eyes. And and Sam elbowed Jed, and he said, Jed, Jed, wake up, wake up, wake up. We're rich. (laughs) Now that's optimism. Optimism. The disciples didn't have that optimism. They were surrounded by hungry people, didn't know what to do about it. Now according to John's gospel, Jesus asked Philip a question that was meant to test the disciples. He asked Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? Philip said eight months' wages would not be enough to give all of them even a bite. John also tells us it was Peter's brother Andrew who found a lad, a boy, who had a lunch apparently. And John describes it as five small barley loaves and two small fish. But even Andrew wasn't optimistic. He asked how far will they go among so many? Certainly they wouldn't go far. After all, if if this was the lunch that this boy's mother had packed for him to take with him through the day, to get him through the day, then then we're not talking about uh, loaves of French bread and rainbow trout. We're probably talking about biscuits and sardines here. Not a lot. It wouldn't go far at all. It's intended only to feed this boy apparently. And A.T. Robertson says that uh, barley was considered an inferior sort of bread. So not only was it not much, it wasn't the best that could have been had either. So the disciples thought their backs were against the wall. They didn't know what to do. The only plan that they could come up with, according to verse 15, is to send the people away so that they could buy food in the villages. In fact, they tell Jesus that. Jesus, send them away so that they can buy food. Now, aren't we supposed to be bringing people to Jesus, not sending people away from Jesus? A plan like that could get you expelled from the seminary. They had it backwards, didn't they? Send them away. But they were at the end of their rope. They didn't know what else to do. In their limited thinking, this was all they could come up with. But Jesus said, you give them something to eat. Imagine how that must have sounded to these guys. All we have are five loaves and two fish. What do you mean, give them something to eat? This is all we have. Look at all these people. Are you blind? There's a multitude out there. How could we ever begin to give them something to eat? Now there was more going on here than the disciples realized. And there was more going on here than you likely realize. Even all these many years later. As we said, John in his gospel calls the bread small barley loaves. In the Old Testament, there's a story about the prophet Elisha feeding a hundred men during a famine with just 20 barley loaves. And they had bread left over. Let me read it for you. It's just three verses. Back in 2 Kings chapter 4, Elisha was with these men in the middle of this famine. And it says... A man came from Baal Shalisha, bringing the man of God 20 loaves of barley bread baked from the first ripe grain, along with some heads of new grain. "'Give it to the people to eat,' Elisha said. "'How can I set this before a hundred men?' his servant asked. But Elisha answered, "'Give it to the people to eat, for this is what the Lord says. They will eat and have some left over.'" Then He set it before them, and they ate, and had some left over, according to the word of the Lord. See, Jesus intended His disciples to learn something in this, a lesson that He intends for us to learn as well. And that is that there was one greater than Elisha there in their midst greater than Elijah, greater than Isaiah, greater than Jeremiah, greater than Moses and Abraham, greater than David, greater than all, Lord of all. He was right there with them. They had no cause for concern or worry. And Jesus wanted them to know that. He was going to show them that. So Jesus said, you've got five loaves and two fish, do you? Well... Bring them to me. Once we learn to give Jesus what we have, we find that Jesus in turn provides everything we need and more. Luke and Mark in their Gospels as they tell the story say that Jesus divided up the the group. Uh, Here in Matthew it says he told them to sit down on the grass. Uh, Mark and Luke tell us that he had them divided up into groups of fifties and hundreds. Mark even says that he had them sit down on the green grass. He remembered the details about the story. He divided them into groups for a reason. One of the things we learn from that little bit of information is that Jesus did not fly by the seat of his pants as He may seem to in a casual reading of the Gospels. Jesus understood administrative logistics. He took that into account. He had a well-run organization, well-run ministry. He was the leader. The disciples were His lieutenants. They raised funds. They had financial supporters. And we know all of this because they had a treasurer, Judas, Now John tells us that Judas was an embezzler. But what that means is they had enough in their treasury to tempt Judas to embezzle some of it. Jesus was an effective organizer. He ran a tight ship. He had a wonderful organization. He didn't fly by the seat of his pants. He had a very sophisticated Uh, endeavor going here. But even though Jesus planned, even though Jesus had all of those things, He always also prioritized. And His priority was the kingdom of God and spiritual well-being, spiritual life. Those were always His priority. He didn't allow plans and administration to become ends in themselves, a temptation that too often befalls us. We want our organization to to be what we want it to be. And we sometimes forget why the organization exists. Jesus said, Seek you first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these other things will be added unto you. Remember how Jesus gently chastened Martha at the dinner in Bethany for being overly concerned about kitchen duties... And he instead praised her sister Mary who was sitting at his feet listening to his teachings rather than helping Martha in the kitchen do the dishes. Now the dishes had to be done. Jesus knew that. But the dishes can wait when the Lord of all, the Master of the Universe is speaking His wisdom into your life. That needs to be priority. Here at Central, we we make our careful plans, but we always need to remember that those plans serve a higher purpose, a kingdom purpose. And if we will always keep that at the forefront, then God will provide everything we need. Don't fret, don't worry. If we'll do what God wants us to do, God will give us the resources to do it and more. So the Bible says, after Jesus gave thanks for the loaves and the fish, He gave them to the disciples who then gave them to the people. So you see, when Jesus said, you give them something to eat, He meant exactly that. They were the ones who were going to be giving the people something to eat. Now, He provided and they distributed. And that's how it works to this day. God is our provision. God provides us with the spiritual wealth that we enjoy in this place. And He expects us to distribute it in the spiritual deserts that surround us. He provides, we distribute. Just as the disciples did on this day. And as they did so, in this distribution, somehow... A bona fide, honest-to-goodness, genuine miracle of multiplication happened. A miracle. Now, according to the Pew Research Center, as many as 79% of Americans believe in miracles. More than believe in heaven, more than believe in hell, or even life after death. Nearly 8 out of 10 Americans believe in miracles. So... Fewer, if any of us here this morning, would stumble over the clear indication in this story that a miracle of provision occurred. That would be no problem for us. We believe that the Bible tells us the truth in sharing this. We understand, we know, we confess, this is true, this actually happened. So why then are we so troubled... So worried, so concerned, when things sometimes look bleak in our own lives. Why do we worry and fret when situations in our lives began to look as hopeless to us as the possibility of feeding all these people look to Jesus' disciples? We know what Jesus did here. We know what Jesus has done for us in the past why do we worry that for some reason He won't continue to do it in the future? Sometimes our circumstances leave us thinking that we're at the end of our ropes. When we're frustrated and desperate, we would do well to remember that it is true what they say. God lives at the end of your rope. In fact, sometimes we have to get to the end of what we can do before we're willing to step aside and let God do what only God can do in providing for our needs. But when you've done all you can do, don't worry about it. Give it to Jesus and watch Him provide for your needs. You say you got too much month left at the end of your money? Well, Jesus fed thousands with just five loaves and two fish. You worried about how you're going to pay for your children or grandchildren's education well jesus fed thousands with just five loaves and two fish is your business in a slump are you afraid you're going to have to lay off some of your employees well remember jesus fed thousands with five loaves and two fish maybe you're worried you're going to be one of those employees well jesus fed thousands with just five loaves and two fish Don't know how you're going to cope if the tests reveal cancer? Well, Jesus fed thousands with just five loaves and two fish. Is your marriage in trouble? Is your family falling apart? Jesus fed thousands with just five loaves and two fish. Do I have to say it again? Jesus fed thousands with what may well have been biscuits and sardines. If you will give what you have to Jesus... He will provide what you need every single time. Now, a word of caution here, I'm not telling you that you can go out and buy a Mercedes and expect God to make the payments for you. Your common sense told you better than that, didn't it? The Bible tells us if we behave foolishly, we're going to reap the consequences of our foolish behavior. But if you need a car, sell that Mercedes. Go look for a good used Chevy and see if God doesn't give you some overflowing extra blessings left over. In fact, you're going to have the kind of overflowing surplus that the Bible tells us we should be using to be a blessing to others. God may be wanting to meet the needs of someone else through you and the abundance that He's given you. The Bible says in Ephesians 4.28 that we should work in order to have something to share with those in need. God will give us that if we are good stewards of it. Well, King David in Psalm 37.25 says, I was young, now I'm old. I have never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging bread. Never. Or maybe you feel like you're at the end of your rope this morning. Maybe you feel like you've done everything that you can do and you just don't know how you're going to step into tomorrow. The needs are so great. The resources seem so small. Well, let me remind you that God lives at the end of your rope. And if you'll make sure your priorities are in order, that you're seeking first the kingdom of God and the righteousness of God. God is going to provide for your every need. He always has. He always will. If you'll keep your priorities where they need to be. All of these people had come out into this solitary place to hear Jesus, to see Jesus, to know Jesus. Do you think Jesus would let them starve? Of course not. You follow him, even if he leads you into the solitary places, the out of the way places, the middle of nowhere places. If you're following him, he's going to provide for you. In fact, you're going to have basketfuls left over. Let's pray.